The question that we want to ask in this session of Look at the Book is what kind of judgment comes on the household of God? For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And basically, that's all we're going to have time to look at, is that section right there. And in, in this case, as in some cases, it's not so much the relationship between the clauses that is going to be especially illuminating. It's going to be just, what do these words mean? What does, what does judgment refer to? What does begin refer to? What does time refer to? What is this household of God? And those are questions that you often answer partly by context and partly by the wider context by looking up where else is judgment used in 1 Peter, where else is household used in 1 Peter, and can you get any clue from those two about what kind of beginning this is, what kind of time this is? So that's, that's going to be our approach. Father in heaven, I ask that you would grant us to be sober-minded concerning the judgment that is to begin with us, the household of God, so that we're not taken off guard by it and grant us to see how it is a good thing, a loving thing, a beautiful thing, and not a terrifying thing like judgment is for those who don't obey the gospel. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read the whole context here. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God by that name. So we've, we've spent several sessions on that. For, we'll come back to that at the end, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. That's what we're going to focus on. And if it begins with us, so now we know that the us refers to household here, the us, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? So the household here and the us here are those who do obey the gospel. And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? And the righteous here refers to the, the same group and saved is what they experience in this judgment. So you can see a great deal that limits the meanings by just looking at the immediate context. So let's ask about these words. What about household of God? Who are the household of God or what is the household of God? And maybe it would be good to just narrow down, get this one verse in front of us. It is time for judgment to be in the household of God so we don't have all the others in our way. Household of God. Chapter 2, verse 5. Either your memory brings this to mind or a concordance brings this to mind or maybe a footnote in your Bible. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So this is a, a household. That's what house, house is short for a household of, of people. It's not a building. It's you are being built into a spiritual house to to offer a holy, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. 
So the household of God, where judgment begins, is the people of God, Christians, the church. Second question, what is this judgment here? What kind of judgment are we talking about? And you could go all over the Bible, of course, looking up the word judgment. Let's just stay close by now. We've already seen one implication that people can experience this judgment and be saved. But let's go back to chapter 4, verse 6. What is this? Just 10 verses earlier? This is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. I argued back there that this doesn't mean they're dead when they heard the gospel. It means that they have died subsequently to hearing the gospel, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. So these are people who are saved. They're they're living. They're living in the spirit the way God does. And he wants to explain that it may look like they've been treated like everybody else in that they have died and death is part of the curse of God on the fallen human race. Nevertheless, the gospel was preached to them so that even though they have been judged the way people are, everybody dies, nevertheless, they are alive. So there you have judgment in the immediate context of of a few verses as something God does on his own people, not for their destruction, but for their life. Or back to chapter 1, verse 17. And again, you find these verses by using the concordance. Where else is the word judgment or judge used in First Peter? If you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So clearly, Peter has a judgment in mind which includes Christians. Now, what's the difference between this judgment and the judgment that results in such a terrible end for unbelievers? What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? Answer, they will not be saved. Well, why then are Christians judged? And here's a picture of it in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, God judges whether it's necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And I'm, I'm going to argue that's a part of the judgment. Grieved through various trials. That the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which so perishes, even though it's tested by fire. So this trial here is a, what he calls a fiery trial in chapter 4, verse 12. May be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So our judgment is for purification, not condemnation. That's the great difference. But it is the same kind of experiences. These are painful, grievous trials of a fiery nature that could result even in your, in your death. Now, it is time for judgment 
to begin with the household of God. It is time to begin. What does that mean? What, what was there a date when persecution was to begin? What, what, what is he talking about? Time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Chapter 4, verse 7, a few verses earlier. It said, the end of all things is at hand. That's what we usually associate as the time for judgment, right? End. The, and I argue there that when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came into the world, the end of all things was at hand. And Jesus has come into the world. John 9, 39, Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world. Those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. So when, when Jesus appears and dies on the cross, the ways divide into, he, he becomes a point of crisis, a point of judgment, where some people become blind, though they thought they saw, and others see, because now their eyes are opened. Or John, uh, Luke 2.34, Simeon blessed them, Mary and Joseph, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child Jesus is appointed for the fall and the rising. Like I said, you go one way and the other. Some people fall when they meet Jesus. Others rise when they meet Jesus. Let's draw it like that. They rise when they meet Jesus. So Jesus is the great, the great dividing line, the great judge, the great judgment. And we know that he didn't come to condemn the world. John 3, 17, I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through, through me might be saved. Nevertheless, the ways divide. John 5, 24, Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. So there's the assurance that the judgment that we do go through is not a judgment that robs us of eternal life. It is a purifying judgment. We have passed from death to life. So the judgment in the ultimate sense, is condemnation and hell, but those who believe on Jesus and the one whom he has sent has eternal life, does not come into judgment, has passed from death to life. The, the judgment, in a real sense, is already past. So, that brings us back now to this word for. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name because it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And that's what I want to talk about next time. How is what we've seen here an argument for what just went before? That's what I want to look at in part two of our focus on the first half of verse 17.